I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to KSL Outdoors Radio, and I'm so happy to be able to share uh, some information with you coming up here about a place that's on many skiers' bucket list. I'm talking about Chamonix, France, and I knew very little about this leading up to this week. However, I've had to do some research because my wife and I are actually going to spend three days in this legendary area, and it's not lost on me that in 2002... Uh, Salt Lake City, of course, became an Olympic city, and so we are kindred spirits here, uh, sort of sister cities with Chamonix, because it was back in 1924 that Chamonix, France, was named the very first uh, location for the Olympic Winter Games. And so I looked up some information, the fact that uh, back then they were thrilled with great success at attracting a little over 10,000 spectators. Uh, an ice hockey team, the Canadian team, managed to score 85 times without conceding a goal in its first three matches. And they actually won the tournament by scoring 122 goals with only three uh, scored against them. There's lots of history around it. But it's really the skiing that everybody thinks about when they consider going to Chamonix, France. So my wife and I, because of a glory kickboxing event that's going to be happening in Paris are going to fly in and then catch a connecting flight on Air France over to Geneva before catching a shuttle up into the mountains of Chamonix. I'm happy to have, uh, and she agreed to do the interview with me before we left town, Claire Burnett, or is it Bernay? I want to make sure I say it right, Claire. Yes, it's Bernay, because it's uh, because I'm married to a Frenchman. Ah. um, So we don't pronounce the T. (laughs) Okay. Claire Bernay is with me. She's the Chamonix press officer. Uh, When I talk about this uh, uh, Chamonix being a legendary place, uh, I understand as you wander around through the hamlet there, through the town area, that you can hear just about every language in the world spoken. Yes, definitely. It's a very international destination and, and always has been really since the 1700s when the first visitors came to Chamonix. Well, and I can tell as you look at some of the pictures and certainly the videos that I've seen online as you walk around the hamlet, the town area, doing your shopping or out for dinner, uh, even if you're not a skier, just going to Chamonix and looking up and seeing all of those beautiful peaks, uh, mountaintops at almost 16,000 feet is just, people are awestruck. Yes, exactly. It's dominated by, by the Mont Blanc, of course, which is the highest summit in Europe. And um, but what's also very um, remarkable in Chamonix are all the um, aigris, which means needles. So lots of um, very high granite peaks, um, which um, um, are very impressive, but also um, very attractive to people um, enjoying uh, mountaineering. Um, and it's also a very densely um, glaciated area. We have 101 glaciers in the Mont Blanc chain, um, and some of these glaciers come right down um, into the Chamonix Valley, so that makes up a very dramatic scenery. 
I'm glad that I did a little research before my wife and I decided to come because it's uh, not as simple as saying that you're going to ski Chamonix. There are many choices uh, for skiers when they get there. How many different resorts are there within the area? Well, the Chamonix Valley is um, just over 20 kilometers long, and we have um, four major ski areas. Um, so we have uh, the ski area of Balm, which is at the northern end of the valley, and it's on the frontier, on the border with Switzerland, and that's a nice, um, gentle family area. And then at the southern end of the valley, we have the ski area of Les Ouches, which is a very, very um, tree-lined um uh, again, a, um, a nice family ski area. Great when the uh, when it's snowing because you have lots of skiing through the trees. Um, and then on either flank of the valley, uh, we have um, two other areas: the Brevon Flegere, which is a south-facing interconnected ski area, um, a great intermediate um, ski area with superb views across to the Mont Blanc Massif. And then on the northern side of the, um, on, sorry, on the north-facing side of the valley, we have the Grand Monte, which is the highest area. Um, you have skiing up to um, 3,300 meters, so that's 10,000 feet. Um, some amazing glacier skiing, and it's uh, the mecca for free riders. Um, and it's also the last ski area to close um, early May um, because it has such exceptional conditions. One of the places that is uh, really legendary, too, and I think on many skiers' bucket list is, and I hope I say it right, is it Valle Blanche? Yes, absolutely. So the Valle Blanche, it's not um, a ski piece as such. It's um, an off-piste um, itinerary, so it's uh, a descent that we strongly recommend that people do with a mountain guide. It's a 20-kilometer long uh, descent from you start from the Aiguille de Midi, which is uh, 12,000 feet, and you ski um, when the conditions are right, you ski all the way back down to Chamonix. Um, so that makes for a 23 kilometer run. If, um, if you're doing it towards the end of the season when there's not snow right back down to the valley, you ski um, to a point um, uh, which is known as the Mont en um, and from there you take the trains back down. Um, and what makes this um, this itinerary run so um, spectacular is, of course, the scenery. You're skiing through um, ice seracs, which are the big blocks of ice, and uh, you have a view over the uh, um, all the surrounding peaks and over into Switzerland as far as the Matterhorn and um, and down to the south of France as well. So it is quite remarkable. I've watched some of the video online of this, and uh, my wife and I were trying to decide whether this was something we wanted to do while we were there. But uh, after you exit the cable car to uh, get to the top, the entrance to the to the entry point where you uh, actually begin your skiing experience uh, is not for the faint of heart. I mean, you're crossing across the ridge of that mountain line there, and uh, you're carrying your skis across. And in some cases, I saw skiers that actually had uh, steel crampons on the bottom of their boots. So, again, it's not for something, uh, not for people that may be faint of heart, I guess. Yes, I see that you've done your research. Um, it's probably the, um, the, 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 perhaps the most difficult part of skiing the Valley Blanche is that um, when you come off the cable car, as you say, you have to walk down um, a ridge, which is about mm, 200 meters long. And um, on one side, you do have uh, quite a sheer drop down to Chamonix. 
Having said this, people generally ski the Vallée Blanche with a mountain guide, and the mountain guide, um, so you're roped up, you have crampons um, on your feet, and the guide um, will even um, take your skis if you're not happy carrying your skis down. But usually um, you, your skis are tied to, to your rucksack. Um, so in actual fact, with the right equipment, it's absolutely fine as long as you don't suffer from vertigo. If you do have vertigo, you then you might not want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you mentioned that this must be done with a guide, but some of the video of actually skiing your way across these glaciers with uh, giant blocks of uh, blue ice in areas uh, is has to be something that's unlike anything else in the world. I think so. Um, certainly... It's not the kind of um, um, it's not the kind of descent that you would hurry through because what makes it so um, memorable and amazing is the scenery and so um, it takes about four hours to ski but that's a leisurely um, ski down you stop regularly you admire the scenery you 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 can stop on the edge of um, uh, of crevasses and have a look down and it's a uh, yeah, it's a real, um, it's just an incredible experience. Um, very, very beautiful. And there are places where it's a little bit more challenging because it gets a bit steeper or you have to be very careful um, where you ski because because there are crevasses. But that's why you do it with a mountain guide. And, um, and that's also what makes it um, so special because you're in a real high mountain environment. Is it very weather dependent? So if you have a storm set in, it would be nearly impossible to go up and do? Yeah, you really only do it when when the weather's fine. Um, if you do it after um, uh, a fresh snowfall, then of course it's absolutely amazing because you you've got fresh powder to ski. Um, but uh, no, it is very weather dependent. So the the, the best time to to ski it is really um, in the spring. Um, I mean, people we it. it Generally, people ski it from December onwards, but um, uh, the spring, March, um, April is the perfect time to ski the Valley Blanche. But I've been told that once you get uh, to the entry point to Valley Blanche, that the the skiing for the most part is intermediate. It's not uh, it's not exceptionally hard, although you said there are some steep areas. No, it's not exceptionally hard. What we say to people is that they have to be controlled skiers. Uh, you have to be able to stop. Uh, when exactly when you want to that's the the the, the primary <laughs> consideration and there are one or two areas where it's a little steeper and sometimes it might get a bit mobily so you can ski if you're an intermediate skier as long as you're a controlled skier yeah uh, you mentioned all of the uh, opportunities skiing opportunities and options there are right there in Chamonix but there's more than that because you can actually catch a quick bus ride which we're considering to do because my wife is Italian and so the opportunity to actually Actually, catch a short bus ride uh, through the tunnel, which actually goes through the mountain, uh, over to uh, the Italian side is also there. And I hope I say it right. Is it Cormeur? That's right. Yes. Um, it's uh, you take a, a bus, a shuttle bus through the Mont Blanc tunnel, um, and um, so basically half an hour from Chamonix, you'll arrive in uh, Cormeur, and there you have a um, uh, another fantastic ski area. Essentially intermediate, lots of tree skiing, lots of lovely Italian restaurants on the peak. Um, and that's also included in the Mont Blanc Unlimited 
ski pass. So when you buy the the, the valley pass for Chamonix, you've also got um, access to Cormayeur and and also the other areas such as uh, Megève, uh, which is quite a, a well-known ski area as well. So a total of um, over 800 kilometres of skiing with the the just one pass. Yeah, and just one note on that, uh, the um, Chamonix Pass that you're talking about, you do have to buy at least a two-day pass to make that part of your itinerary, I guess. Uh, well, yes, because if you only buy a one-day pass, well, then logically you would be skiing in Chamonix. But from a two-day pass, you can already go and ski in Cormayeur, for example. I was also uh, quite surprised at the number of lodging opportunities there in Chamonix, and evidently the shopping is very, very nice if people want to make that part of their experience when they visit. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, we have a multitude of um, ski shops, of course, so if you're looking for, for um uh, brand wear than all the major brands are in Chamonix, but we also have uh, some very nice boutiques for um, for all tastes and um, purses, I should say. We have um, a Chanel boutique in Chamonix, but then there are some um, uh, very nice sort of um, uh, uh, fashionable um, uh, brands here um, that are a little less expensive than Chanel. Um, but I would say primarily you've got um, all the mountaineering equipment and mountaineering ski wear because that's uh, obviously Chamonix's uh, um, <laughs> um, credo. Yeah. We're, we're flying into Geneva. Is that the way most people access Chamonix? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, we're just an hour away from Geneva Airport, so uh, it's definitely the major um, airport for accessing uh, uh, the Chamonix Valley. Um, we also have a very good um, um, motorway system, which brings you directly into the valley as well. But um, obviously, that's more for well, for people driving from Europe or um, uh, for for sort of um, nearby um, city access. But for people coming from overseas, it's Geneva Airport, definitely. Yeah. And uh, for for those uh, that are considering this, uh, I should tell you that we found some very reasonable priced, reasonably priced uh, shuttles that take you directly from the airport right to your hotel, and then we'll make a round trip to get you back to the airport on time. So uh, there's lots of convenient ways to make this happen. I want people to know that they can go to the website, Chamonix, that is C-H-A-M-O-N-I-X, Chamonix.com, to uh, get for more information if you want it. Uh, but again, it's one of those bucket list things that we're going to be posting some pictures. Uh, after you listen to this conversation with Claire, we're going to be putting pictures up on our Facebook page so you can get a look at what uh, we see when we arrive in Chamonix coming up this week. Thank you so much for your time, Claire. We're looking forward to our visit. Yes, well, thank you very much, Tim, for um, for this um, great um uh, focus on our destination and I look forward to meeting you next week we will uh, take a quick break again the website chamonix.com for information if you're a skier uh, and this isn't on your bucket list just take a look at some of the uh, YouTube video out there on Valle Blanche and see what the world is talking about we'll take a quick break and we'll come back here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Final couple of minutes of the program. Navidowska is still here. I think he's uh, probably, well, let's see. He was putting his uh, socks on a minute ago. Maybe it's uh, the second layer. <laughs> getting ready to go skiing again today. The other sock. Oh, getting on the other sock. All right. <laughs> so so if you hear him huffing and blowing in the background, it's just uh, the struggle. The struggle is real in retirement to get your socks on these days. Roger Agate from Bear River Lodge is with us, uh, sponsor of this great program. Glad to know you survived your uh, weekend last week as you were headed out with an all-women snowmobiling trip. You know, it was a blast, and good morning, and we did not have a single person get stuck. We did have one lady roll her machine down the hill, and I took a picture and put it on social media. But other than that, it was uneventful. But she was okay. Well, I don't know. I worry about the snowmobiles, Tim. I'm guessing she was okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not going to make you too many points with people out there. Uh I did see the pictures. How many were on the ride with you? We had 14, and it was our first ever annual ladies' ride. And it was a lot of fun. We're definitely going to do this every year. It was a lot of fun. We They stayed over Thursday night. We snowmobiled all day Friday. And they didn't know. All of them didn't know each other. So it was a great group to get together, and they, they hit it off. We had fun. We went on a Defender ride Thursday night up into the woods. Came back and snowmobiled on Friday. It was just a great time. Navi, how many times have we talked about these programs that actually are, are designed to help the ladies get more involved and find, you know, some other females out there with common interests? This sounds like a great idea. Yeah, any reason to get those ladies together. And I like that he said they didn't know each other because I find that to be the case. They gravitate to each other just because of their gender. Yeah. It's awesome. But you were the only guy on the trip, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's a tough job. I know. Those women snowmobiling, we had a blast. I really enjoyed it. You know, I have all daughters, so I'm in my wheelhouse here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And writing abilities, were they all new at it, or did you have some experienced writers? We had a couple who were experienced. A couple, when I asked them, how many of you snowmobile before, half of them raised their hands. And then I said, well, when was the last time? Well, when I was seven or eight. Yeah. Okay, that was like 40 or 50 years ago. Well, that's Things have changed, but, uh, you know, it worked out. And we even had one, they teamed up on a two-seater. The lady decided at the last minute, hey, I don't think I want to drive. So another lady said, hop on the back. And so we uh, took them on a two-seater. It it was just a wonderful day. We took lunches out into the forest, and just doing those group rides is so much fun. It really sounds like it. And my guess is they're already asking about next year's opportunities. Uh, We should take the, the final minute and a half or two minutes we have here to really emphasize that uh, just like this group, you can put together a group to come up and you have more than enough bedrooms waiting for them with two new beautiful cabins. 
Yes. You know, I think I mentioned this to you. We just booked a group of 80 people. And for this summer, we can accommodate up to maybe 150 people a night. But whatever your size group, whether it's just a couple or five people or 10 people or 15 or 20, let's get you up here and let's go have some fun in the forest, whether it's winter summer, or summer, whether we're on snowmobiles or side-by-sides. It's just so much fun to get out there and see the forest. And you've got swimming pools and hot tubs and you've got fishing at the ponds behind you. I mean, there really is endless things to do. Yeah, there's a lot to do besides getting out on the equipment, but I just love getting out there. You know, on this ladies' ride, a big old moose walked right out on the road in front of us up at Whitney Reservoir, so that was fun. Yeah, Uh, I'm sure there were some oohs and ahs from uh, the crowd on that one. Um, Tell people how far in advance they need to book something like this. You mentioned the 80 people, if I remember right. That's a family reunion, so they're coming in to take over, I think, almost all the cabin space. Yeah, they're taking eight cabins. They're coming in June. But if you have a big group, the further in advance you can book it, the better. Small groups, if you have two, four, six, ten people, we have openings this weekend. Come on up and play. You may be surprised to find out Navadomskis has never been on a snowmobile. Am I right, Nami? That's correct. Never been on a snowmobile. Never? No, but you well, don't have to convince me about there. the forest. I love the forest. Yeah. Um, I like how he prefaced. Moose with big old moose. That's like people say, a little baby. Yeah. Well, uh, now that Navi's retired, it's only my schedule we have to work around, so maybe we can twist his arm to get up there and we'll record some segments. I'd look forward to it. Tell him where to find you online, Raj. Go to bearriverlodge.com. You'll see everything you need to find out. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Don't go away. It is uh, the Greenhouse at its uh, regular time this week. Looking forward to it. 8 to 11 o'clock here on KSL News Radio. We'll take a break. And uh, turn it over to them. I'll see you Monday morning starting at 5. I'll be back with Amanda Dixon in Utah's Morning News on KSL. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said... You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.